My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Good morning, my listeners. A couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, I was speaking at an online conference with Homeschool Connections, and I did a talk on high school which I said I would follow up with some of the resources that I was sharing in terms of planning and record keeping. Uh, So this is actually going to be a two-part episode as part of the creating homes, creating homes, the kind of homes we want to raise our families in. Uh, And I will work on sort of resources and planning and record keeping today, and then I'll do a second part more specifically on high school and the kinds of things that we can do to ease some of the pressures of high school by the way we approach it in terms of our our uh, planning and, and keeping track of what our children are doing because so much education is found uh, not in a textbook. <laughs> the reason why I've included this particular episode and the, the partner episode to it in this little series on creating homes, creating the kinds of homes we want to raise our families in, is because I so firmly believe that order and simplicity in our homes reduces our stress level. And when we have reduced some of the clutter and stress out of our life, whether it's mental, emotional, temporal clutter, activity clutter, we are able to be kinder. Okay, and I think that setting a tone of kindness, setting a tone of order in our homes is so vital to that spiritual growth of you and of your family that I think it would be remiss to not include this when we're talking about the kind of homes we want to create in terms of um sort of planning and record keeping for our children, that can be quite a stressful ordeal. For me, it certainly was um, something I was very poor at. And I've said this before on this podcast, but I'm going to say it again. I have been a very uh, scrambly person most of my life. I I don't think in a logical, linear way. Uh, And that has made it so that I am, I've had to develop systems in my life for how to function so that I can keep things less chaotic and, uh, and work towards peace in my soul. So one of my, it's really important to me personally to, to feel peace. And I feel at peace most of the time. Uh, and if I don't feel at peace, I want to immediately stop and figure out what's causing the disruption in my soul and uh, and deal with that right so these are the, some of the ways that that i've been able to do that so when we have temporal order temporal beauty when we have uh, peace we are more accessible to the people that we love we find it easier to love the people in our life and and you know how can that not play into uh, how what kind of homes we create i'm going to uh, suggest that I'm going to be sharing some resources with you that I have on my website as free resources. I'm going to suggest that it would be a really good idea to actually listen to this podcast with these resources printed off so that you can look at them, see what I'm talking about, you know, perhaps get ideas. You can actually just use these. They're printables. You can use these, uh, but you can also use them as a template for your own ideas. Uh, and I've had many people do that over the years. 
So it's just my, in an effort to share what I did in order to uh, aid my family and aid uh, the removal of chaos from family life. So it would be a good episode to sort of have some resources sitting beside you because it's audio and I'm going to be talking about the things in front of me. So one of the first things that I did that was really helpful for me in terms of sort of plotting out my school year. Now, I don't plot very much. I have a very loose idea of how things, I'm hoping things will roll out or what kinds of things we want to study in any given school year. How that actually comes to fruition is where I feel like I want to expend a lot of creativity and energy and go with what my kids are interested in. So, you know, for example, if we were studying, uh, maybe we're studying uh, earth sciences and also for social studies, we're studying the Roman Empire. So I would choose a few really good books, some nonfiction, some fiction books on those topics, and we would read them together and really delve into what the kids were specifically interested in. So you know, how that actually looks on the day to day could vary quite a bit in terms of the information and formation my children are getting. But we have a loose skeleton of what what the year is going to look like. That's also very flexible. So if, for example, if we were studying earth sciences, and my children were just totally jazzed about volcanoes, you know, I might spend two months on volcanoes with them, because I just think that's when learning really happens, uh, you know, in this environment of joy and curiosity and fun, that we really delve into volcanoes. And maybe that means some of the other areas of earth sciences don't get uh, addressed in this particular year, but that's okay. Because what we know is they're really learning this because they're excited about it. So, so whenever I make a plan, I don't get attached to it, because I've seen years that we've had that have gone in on some sort of tangent. And it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to milk that tangent for all it's worth, right? So the first thing I have here is, is a resource called a, um, a planning sheet for the school year. Okay, so what I do in this is, uh, by the way, all these resources are available on my website, you'll see a, a heading that says resources at the top in my menu, and underneath that freebies and all these printables are, are in that section. So planning for the school year, the first thing I do the first block I have is just big blocks of information, things we do together as a family. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to specify then between the things we all do together, like our reading, our social studies, our science, many of our physical activities, uh, obviously our field trips, um, obviously our, our spiritual life, those are things we do together as a family. So I want to make a note of that. All the things, all the ways we're spending our time together as a family, right? Even if you, you say you like to cook together as a family or you do yard work together as a family on a regular basis, or you're farming or whatever, include all that information things we do together as a family. So I have a space where you can write what school year it is. So maybe it's 2014, 2015, 2022, 2023. So then my next block is subject areas covered. Okay, so this is where I'm going to say, okay, this year, we're going to focus on uh, on history. Uh, for the first half of the year, we're going to focus on history. And for the second half of the year, we're going to focus on science. Plus, of course, I'm going to do math with all the kids. We're going to do some language arts. Maybe I want to do a Shakespeare play. I'm going to just sort of jot down the things that I hope to accomplish 
this school year. In the various areas we're going to do that. Uh, the next block is skills to be covered. Okay, now this is again, it's not per individual child. I'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. It is the skills that we're going to be working on as a family, kind of as a group. What will we be doing? So say, for example, uh, we want to um, increase our prayer life and we want to make our uh, prayer life more intentional so that I will choose, okay, that maybe we, how can we do that? Okay, maybe I'm going to discuss that with my family. Okay, we do morning prayers, we do prayers at mealtimes. What about in the evening? It seems like we all scatter in the evening after supper. So how are we going to do that? Um, you know, we make a decision about how we're going to intentionally do that. Maybe uh, I feel like the kids need to help out around the house a little more. So okay, how what can you take on this year? What could you do to be helpful? How's that going to roll out? Maybe it's something as simple as I want to spend more time doing uh, times tables with my kids, that that's something that they're kind of lacking. We lacked doing last year, you know, a sort of assessing what it is we need to do. And so those sort of that skills to be covered is more sort of as a whole, as a family, what are we going to be pursuing? So the second part of this, this is kind of the the family thing. The second part of this is individual children's plans for this year. So obviously, each individual child, I'm going to have some idea of, of what they might be working on, where they're going to be going with their education in various, various areas. Okay. So, so that's uh, the second page of this particular sheet, if you're printing it off. So the, the title of this individual children's plan for this year, and then I have two, two per page. So, you know, as many children as you have, you're going to print off this so that you can have something that you cover. Now, when I was, my kids were younger, I was just typing this out or writing this out on one piece of paper. The same thing, I didn't have the fancy printable, but I thought for my own girl's sake who are homeschooling and for my listeners that it might be really helpful to have an idea of what I mean when I when I talk about this. So child's name and grade, this year's goals for this child. So that I have a block, subject areas to be covered, resources to be used, skills to be covered. So a similar thing that I'm that I'm using for my own for the family events, the family things, family activities, except each individual. So maybe you have a, a child in kindergarten. And so the only things you're really concerned about is doing a little bit of fun math with them and helping them identify letters, you know, and everything else just comes through play and put play on there because there's so much learning that happens through play that you just can't ignore it. The younger a child is, the more the learning happens within the context of those family decisions that you make and family activities that you do. So maybe for your kindergartner, you only have a couple of things that you're actually uh, proactively working on as opposed to just uh, allowing to happen. So resources to be used, then I, I'm, maybe you have a, a little uh, phonics program or you have a strip of letters that you just, you know, are going to point out letters every day, uh, for your child, or maybe you have flashcards or maybe you have a program. That's where you're going to jot down the resources that you're you're hoping to use. And maybe for math, you're just saying, no, let's, for this year, let's just do manipulatives. I'll get some coins, I'll get some chocolate chips, I'll get whatever, and we'll just count and have fun with them and 
those are the resources that I'm going to use. And obviously, you're going to read children's books to your kids. Maybe there's specific books you'd like to read to them um, that you feel are really helpful for learning phonics, like Dr. Seuss or something like that. So that's your place to jot that down. And then skills to be covered. So that's something that I'm going to maybe intentionally jot down. Maybe you have a child who you know is really on the brink of reading. Then so the skills to be covered in my mind, I would just probably write, continue working on uh, reading fluency, right? And something as simple as that, or um, have them adding and subtracting in their head, or having them adding and subtracting with manipulatives, whatever you decide to uh, pursue in that area. This is where you want to jot it down. Then maybe you have an older child. So the next child, maybe they're, you know, in grade three. And so you're going to jot down their name and their grade or their age level uh, and this year's goals. So subject areas to be covered. Maybe some of those things that we do as a family, I'm also going to put here. I might put social studies, family, uh, science, family. Then I might put math teaching textbooks. Maybe they do a gymnastics class. So phys ed, gymnastics, a lot of the phys ed we do would be as a family, but at some point as they get older, they usually get interested in some sort of activities. Um, maybe they belong to a 4-H club. Whatever it is they do, um, you can pop those into the, the sort of subject areas to be covered. Then you sort of have an idea of, okay, what, what are we going to do here and resources to be used? Again, you're going to say, you know, I need a teaching textbooks three. I need a, um, we need the 4-H manual. I want them to also, uh, we're doing family science, but maybe I also want them to be working on a, a science book on their own. So we're getting the, you know, TAN science book or the CHC science book. And you're going to jot that down then. And then skills to be covered the same as with your kindergartner, just jot down. I'd like them to um, complete this, uh, the teaching textbooks three. I would like them to maybe work on spelling via dictation or uh, I want them to have a really good understanding of the Roman Empire. I want them to be able to reiterate that back to me. Uh, I'd like to work on cursive writing with them. Whatever skills you think you would like to work on with your child, um, you can jot down there. And essentially, so I'm doing that for every child that is school age that Essentially, then at the end of the year, I'm going to use the same sheet and I'm just going to go and make notes on it, right? That's why I've made it big is that I can tick off anything we actually accomplished. I can just sort of tick it off. Yep, we did this, we did this, we did this. Um, and things that maybe I think, oh, okay, well, we didn't get as far with the earth science as I thought because I had a baby in the middle of it or I... I got sick or one of the kids were sick and we just didn't get to science as much as I wanted to. So um, I might jot, jot down only did five chapters of, you know, whatever earth science you're, you're working on and for the individuals as well. So I'm going to do that for myself in, in our family things that we do together, but also in each individual. Did they actually complete the teaching textbooks book? I might write down on it. It was too easy or it was too challenging for them. So we switched to something else um, or we did chapters one to 12. And after that, it was too challenging. So we switched to something else uh, or uh, the book was far too easy. I bumped them up to teaching textbooks four. right? Then on one sheet or two sheets, I have a basic understanding of how my year I'm wanting my year to roll out and at the end of the year a place where I've actually noted anything we we did complete and anything we did above and beyond that as well and anything we didn't complete so it's all in one place in a couple of pages I have a couple of other things so that's just something I fill out at the beginning of the year and the end of the year now I might refer to it 
partway through the year, like, oh yeah, we would decide in January we were going to do a, a Shakespeare play, or we decided in January we were going to um, start some uh, swimming at the local pool or whatever, you might want to refer to that. So I, I like to have my things in a binder or duotang. So even that thing I'm only using once or twice a year, you know, is probably going to go in a in a plastic sheet inside a binder, one of those sheet protectors, because otherwise it just gets all chewed up by the end of the year. So I have a couple of other things that were really helpful for me. The first one is a weekly sort of a record sheet, okay, as a weekly record keeping sheet sheet that is not the one that I use for high school. It's this is sort of more of a, a grade school one or a family oriented one. Not that I wouldn't put any high school information on it, but it was more for me to be able to jot down what we had done during a week. So the idea of this a two page spread, okay, and it just says this week and it has a, a block for social studies a block for field trips and activities, how we move, phys ed, a block for language arts, a block for math, a block for books we read, a block for science, a block for art and music, and then a block miscellany. And the the idea of that was that you print off the two pages, and I, I have a blog post where I've kind of taken pictures and shown how to put this together, but you print off the two pages so that when you open up a duotang or a binder with this week in it, uh, you can see your whole week at a glance. The reason why I did this for myself way back in the day was because if I had to keep track of things, I the idea of writing out a sentence with, you know, five small children or whatever was just overwhelming to me. And so instead, I wanted to just have a, a framework that I just put down bullet points, right? Or individual words just to remind me, okay, what did we do? Boom, there it is. And it's already got the the um, subject headings in there, right? And so that, that I found that just made my life so much easier. And it wasn't where I did my planning, it was where I uh, actually recorded what we did, right? So as we read a book, I would jot it down. Or um, I think one of the things that we really have as an advantage too now is back in the day, I didn't have a phone, but snapping pictures of things your kids have done, if activity or something they've made or whatever, snap pictures of it. And that can also go into a file on your phone, just say, you know, 20, 22, 23 school year. So that's a really helpful way that we can keep track of what our kids have done, right? And I'd like to talk for a moment about what that means. You know, how, how much do we need to keep track? Some of us need to keep track because we have a school or a government agency that wants us to be keeping track. But I think there's a very good argument to be made for keeping track anyways. So why record keep? Why keep track of what your children do and how you spend your time? We could make an argument that Really, and unless we want to develop a transcript for our kids when they're, you know, going off to college, that those first, you know, eight or nine years of homeschooling really doesn't need to be tracked at all. I think that that would be a viable option. Most of us find it stressful to feel like we're behind or feel like we're not accomplishing anything. And many times we feel that way, even though we're accomplishing a boatload, we just don't really recognize it because so much of it happens just in our day-to-day -day living. So I think that record keeping is prudent for that reason, right? To just be able to look back and think, no, we did a lot, right? We did a lot of things and a lot of education happened, you know, by surprise. <laughs> 
The other reason is that the laws in where I am, where I am in BC, back in the day were phrased that we that homeschoolers were basically free to do whatever we wanted, but we were uh, we needed to be implementing an educational program. Okay, now that could include unschooling, right? But I think even if you're unschooling, you should be keeping track of what your kids do because if you had a neighbor or a you know tragically a family member or somebody in your life who thought these guys aren't doing anything they're not accomplishing anything and they reported you to child protection services or family services that that you would then the onus would be on you to prove that you were actually doing something with your child right maybe your neighbors see your kids running around in the morning you know between 10 and noon and having a great time because you know that's going to be the best time for them to be outside and then you can sit down and do stuff with them or maybe you totally unschool and and feel like that's just you know that's where they learn and, and it's true uh, that that is where children learn maybe that neighbor thinks they're they're not doing anything and they report you so so then you have a record that's very simple it's not difficult to to attain or keep track of you have proofs they come to your house and know this is my plan for the year this is what we accomplish uh, as a family this is what my child does individually here's the last few weeks would you like to see that right like if, if you have to defend yourself you're going to be in a much better position to do that right and this should not be fear-based we should not be terrified that our neighbors are going to do this uh, but at the same time i do think we should be prudent about how we choose to homeschool and that we have uh, some record of what we actually do. That's why I would recommend keeping this all in one book, having your yearly plan, have, printing out several pages of a week's plan, and maybe you just like to write that down on loose leaf paper. That's fine too. You know, keep a, a wad of loose leaf paper in your binder or do a tang and just jot the things down that you do in a day or a week. You know, for something to look back on at the end of your school year, this is going to take up, you know, you might have 30 pages or, you know, 50 pages uh, that you can then put into a file folder and put 2015, 2016, 2022, 2023, so that you have a record of what your kids have done. The other thing then that I found really helpful is uh, basically it's a checklist, okay? So as my kids got older and they were doing more things on their own, we still did a lot of stuff as a family, but they were also doing things on their own. In order to sort of be able to kind of keep track of of what they needed to do on their own, I developed like a sort of a checklist system, right? So basically, I just had one piece of paper, and I would put all their names on it, and then the things that they, the individual things that they did on their own. So, say for example, it might say, uh, it might say, uh, math, um, times tables music practice, whatever, whatever things. I also had things on there like, you know, make your bed, brush your teeth, right? Especially as they were younger, you know, I would have those things. These are the things we need to do in a day and any chores or whatever. So that's what I would give them in order to, that they could just refer to it instead of thinking, okay, what do I have to do now? What are the things I need to do? Which is very helpful. So I would print off a sheet for each week and what I've done is I've made sort of a template for you guys if you wanted to print it off or, or copy the idea or whatever. It has 
six people on it. You could put as many as six people on this particular sheet. So I just have their name. I write down their morning routine. Then I have a list of task or subject. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I've included the weekend days in case there are specific things, if they have an animal to feed or something like that, that they can check that off or eggs to collect. They can check those things off as they go through their week. That was something that I would, you know, I'd print 10 or 12 at a time and they would carry me for, for each week. And I didn't save that. That was, that was something I didn't feel like I needed to record keep. I would just recycle it uh, at the end of the week because I didn't need to, this wasn't going to be what I used to prove anything or to remember anything or to record anything. It was simply a list that my kids could refer to. Um, oh yeah, I still have to do my times tables or oh yeah, I have to do my, my chore or whatever. So that was just, that was just a really handy thing for me that we enjoyed doing, having your own checklist. Some of my kids, as they got older, sort of developed their own system for that. And then I wouldn't include them on that. So maybe they have their own, uh, write on wipe off, you know, system that they've developed. And that's great. Why, why not uh, just let them develop their own system of things they need to do each day to be, you know, productive and, and, uh, feel like they've accomplished what they need to accomplish. So those are the really, the nuts and bolts of it. It's a very simple system. And I think it's helpful to look at the pictures that I have up on the blog posts. I'll include that in the show notes. We can simply, easily keep track of what we do so that we're not stressing about it. When it comes up to high school, we're looking at something quite different because at this point, I wanted to be able to create a transcript for my kids so that they could go to college or university. You know, my first couple of times, I just failed at this so badly. So I developed a system eventually that was really helpful. And essentially, it's it's similar, only bigger than, than what I've described to you here, that I have a set of yearly planning pages. And again, I would I would pause this print them off so you can see what I'm talking about or pull them up on your computer so you can see what I'm talking about. The planning pages, again, are the place where for each individual child, I jot down everything they do that could potentially become a course or become part of a course, any activity, any ways they spend their time, including things like if they're watching political YouTube videos, anything like that. They are free to uh, build those things into courses um, or add them to to courses in some way. And this is how we start to develop electives and, and their subject areas that they're going to cover. So the blocks in the high school planning pages, there's seven pages that I just print off back to back when I do one set for each year. I start in grade nine. Many colleges and universities only want 10, 11, 12 on their transcript. I include nine, but it's also kind of my practice year, right? Uh, you could even do grade eight as a practice year on sort of keeping track of this. What I've done is I've broken it into subject areas, again, more uh, complete than the kind of subject areas we'd be looking at in grade school. So I have mathematics, English, science, social studies, including history, geography, government. Um, I have a place for notes for myself on each page, uh, phys ed and health, arts, applied skills, applied design, technology, second language, philosophy, theology, religion, uh, travel studies, practical skills. Okay. In each block, I have a little box for um, uh, developing a grade and a, or a percentage, right? Most colleges or universities want both the percentage and the letter grade. 
self-marking. Okay. Is it a self-marking course? Like a, like a, a textbook. Okay. So a textbook textbook has quizzes or questions or whatever, and whatever per amount you get correct, that is a self-marking system, right? You, you look at them, you look at the answer key, you see how many you got correct. It self-marks. So you immediately know the percentage or the letter grade that uh, is available to them. By the way, one of my little PDFs I have on here is uh, a letter grading system. So what percentage gives you what letter grade? And it can vary from institution to institution, but it's a rough idea. So in case you think, okay, well, they had 85. What is that? Is that an A? Is it a B? Is it a B plus? What is it? It kind of gives you a, a, an indication. So so in that little box, is it self-marking? If it is not a self-marking course, what method of grading did I use? If they're taking a course, obviously that's self-marking because they're going to get a grade from, say, Homeschool Connections. Their professor of the class that they're taking is going to give them a grade at the end of the, the um, course. If, however, say you study uh, literature and you do that as a family, that's something you feel very comfortable with just um, pursuing as a family. So you read a Shakespeare play, you read some British literature, you discuss it, you uh, delve into the history of it, you delve into the the uh, you know notes that come with the the copy that you're using whatever book you're using you know or the spark notes or whatever and you study you know the things that you're reading so how do you mark that okay you have to determine that some places are going to say uh okay well how did you how did you arrive at that mark most most places are not going to ask that question but you can't just pull marks out of thin air either right so say for example you have two high schoolers and you're studying a shakespeare play and other literature as a, a literature course for high school you have different expectations. One of them's in grade eight, one of them is in grade 12. Maybe one has to write a couple of essays uh, on on Shakespeare or the particular play you're reading. Maybe, maybe you want them to write six essays throughout the course of the year, three essays, whatever you decide is appropriate. Maybe your grade eight is just really starting to nail down a paragraph, so you're asking them to do that. You're asking them to do things beyond the literature that you're studying, but related to it as, a, as your um, English, high school English. So how are you marking that? So for me, I would ascertain somehow how, you know, from their, how how connected they were. Maybe my grade 12 student is, they're writing the essays, they're whatever, but they're not doing a great job. And we're coming back for edit after edit. And they're not participating very well in the discussion. And they're just sort of disinterested, right? You know, I can't give that an A, right? I might be able to, after six drafts of an essay, and then I feel like it's up to snuff, then yeah, I could give that an A. But participation is one of the big factors in my kids and how I would mark something that that didn't wasn't a self-marking course. And again, it might be the kind of thing that that after three drafts, they think, no, this is my final copy. This is this is as good as it's gonna get. Well, I might say, you know what, you could get an A. This is a C essay. I I you know, from my experience, from just from my own experience of teaching my kids writing for years and years and, you know, bumping up against sample essays and all that, I feel fairly uh, adequately trained to decide what mark they might get on an essay, right? Whether it needs more work. There's obvious things like grammar or spelling errors, but 
I'm going to, if I don't feel like I'm adequately trained for that, I might get someone else to look at it or, uh, you know, submit it somewhere and say, hey, I just need some feedback on this essay. Um, what does it need? What are they missing? What are they doing well? You know, and maybe if that's really difficult, maybe you, you know, enroll in a, a writing program of some sort, and then you get some feedback from somebody else, right? And that's, that's the way we learn, right? That's the way they learn. That's the way we as, as parents learn. So we have to sort of determine, okay, how did we arrive at a mark? Because we're going to need a mark. And a lot of times that's participation and enthusiasm uh, and time put in. You know, maybe you maybe they take gymnastics and even they go above and beyond uh, what they are required to do for gymnastics because they're so into it. And you think, okay, well, they are clearly an A student. If I had to give them a mark in gymnastics, that's what it would be. Oh, you know, and go to their gymnastics teacher. How are they? Uh, how are they performing? How are they in class? I'm just trying to establish a mark. And he's the gymnastics teacher might say, oh yeah, they're totally an A student. It's like, no, I find like he he works really well, but he's not really a team player. So that's something that we you know should be working on if he's going to pursue this or whatever. So then you determine a mark. So I have a place here on these transcript planning worksheets. Uh, I put my child's name, I put their grade, I put the school year, and I'm going to keep each child in a separate duotang or binder. I really favor duotangs because I'm left-handed and writing in a binder is really tricky for me. So a duotang lays flat, right? And I know they're not that commonly used anymore, but you can buy them at any at any school supply place. Uh, in, in August and September, there's always duotangs. That planning sheet is going to cover the four years, grade 9, 10, 11, and 12. In the beginning of it, I'm going to keep a working copy transcript where at the end of each year, I can take all that information and slot it into uh, into electives or their core courses that they're required to take um, in order to graduate. Now, my kids have never actually graduated. They didn't get a graduation certificate because of the way things roll out in BC. You have to be aligned with a school in order to get your your graduation certificate. I don't really care about that. So, uh, But they did fulfill everything required in order to enter a college and university. And so that's what mattered to us. I did give them the option. Here's what it's going to look like if you want uh, an actual graduation certificate. Here's what it's going to look like if you don't. Um, and that varies from place to place. Some people don't have that option uh, to choose between the two. Some people must get a graduation certificate to enter university or college. Some people uh, don't even have that option. It's just not a thing. So you'd always develop your own transcript if you're a homeschooler. So the transcript itself, I have two copies of it. One is a working copy and one is your good copy. So the idea is that through the four years, you get all your information down into your working copy and then uh, transfer that to your good copy. And that would be um, something you'd download as a PDF and they would uh, they uh, it would be submitted to universities or colleges with a with a um, an application, right? So what I want to do, sort of, for the part two of this, is to actually talk about developing courses and electives with your high schoolers. Uh, and how you can make the most out of the things you are doing, the things you as a family are doing and things you and your child, you as your child as an individual is doing that can uh, create courses, electives, even core courses uh, for them to to be able to put on a transcript. So there's a lot of education that happens that isn't in your textbook, right? That's how I'd like to spend the next episode of this. So uh, I hope you're looking forward to that. I hope this is helpful. Please reach out to me if you uh, 
have any questions about this, I'll include as much information in the show notes as I can, um, all the resources I've been talking about. God bless you.